today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. That we would long to be in the house of God so that we could be in His presence. That we would yearn to open up the sacred book and hear Him speak to us. That we would find times of great delight on our knees pursuing Him and seeking Him. That our pleasures would not be so much in the world, but our greatest pleasures would be to be in His presence. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and What are your heart's desires? Do you long after the things of the world, or do you want to draw nearer to God? For many of us, the answer may be mixed, a little bit of both. But in today's message, Pastor Ed encourages us to ask God to change our desires to be aligned with Him. This way, we'd yearn to be in the Word of God, and we desire to know Him deeper than we've ever known Him before. What can you do in your daily life to pursue the God who desires to draw near to you? Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled... God's work, God's way. Building in faith. Second Samuel chapter six. Samuel chapter six. I want to give you a little background as we prepare to read the biblical text. Samuel wrote the first part of perhaps First Samuel or documented things, and then later on one of the other scribes put First and Samuel and Second Samuel together. But oftentimes the reason that both First and Second Samuel are named after the prophet, because one of the prophet's great desires was to honor God. That's one of the themes that is carried through the first book of Samuel and the second book of Samuel. You see a contrast in the first book of Samuel between Eli the high priest and Samuel. Eli doesn't honor God. He honors his sons before God, but yet Samuel honors God. And then you see another contrast between the first and the second king. You see Saul, King Saul, who fails to honor God, and David, who honors God. So this theme is found in both first and second Samuel. As we look at chapter six, David has been reigning as king over the southern kingdom first, and then later both the southern, the bottom, and the top of the kingdom, the northern kingdom, both Judah and Israel all together now. And one of the desires that he has is to bring the nation together around God. And he's determined to bring the Ark of the Covenant that's been neglected for decades. It's been neglected, and the presence of God has been forgotten. And so his desire is to build the kingdom around God. And so he declares, as he consults with the commanders, as he consults with the various leaders, can we bring the Ark of the Covenant back? The Ark of the Covenant was lost in the battle. The story is found in 1 Samuel. 
And the Philistines took that Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was, as you remember in the Old Testament, where they stored in a golden ball, a golden jar, some manna. They took Moses' Ten Commandments that God wrote on tablets of stone, and they put that in the Ark of the Covenant. And then they also put Aaron's rod that had budded, that symbolized the power and abundant life that God can give. It was only four feet long, about two feet wide and deep, and two feet high. It was overlaid with gold. And on top were two angels. They were cherubims, and their wings were just about touching. And it symbolized the presence of God. During the wilderness journey, it was kept in the Holy of Holies. But in First Samuel, there was a battle. And they took this Ark of the Covenant, thinking it would be like a good luck charm. That it would guarantee them victory in a battle. But they were defeated in that battle. And the ark was taken captive by the Philistines. And they took the ark into the temple of Dagon, their God. And there in the temple, Dagon fell flat on his face. So the next morning they pick up Dagon and then he falls flat on his face the next day again. And he's broken. And so they decide that they want to move the ark of the covenant. And they move it from city to city in Philistines. But none of the cities want to keep the ark. Because every time they take the Ark of the Covenant, a plague breaks out in that city. And finally they decide, listen, maybe we should return this to Israel. And so they get two cows and they have their calves and they leave the calves back here. And say, well, if those cows, and they make a, a cart and they put the covenant on the cart. And they say, if that cart takes the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, we'll know God must really... Want it back. Their God is real. Sure enough, those two cows leave their little calves and they just go all the way back to the land of Israel. And the Ark of the Covenant remains in the Benadab's house. But all the time that Saul reigns as king, he neglects it. He ignores it. Because Saul is more of a political ruler than a spiritual ruler. And now David is king, and he says, I want people to center on the presence of God. And so he's going to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the newly captured city, Jerusalem. He captured it from the Jebusites, who were at war with the Israelites, and they mocked them, but God gave David the victory, and now he owns Jerusalem, and he's going to send for the ark. And we're going to pick up the story. God suddenly judges one of the men, Uzziah, who's behind the ark, and they're bringing the ark back to Jerusalem, or bringing it to Jerusalem, and he steadies it from falling, and God suddenly smites him dead because he touches the ark. We're going to pick up the story In verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. 
The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Dedim, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. God's presence, God's way. The ark of the covenant symbolizes the very presence of God. Imagine with me that this fall, on the platform of the presidential candidates and the other politicians that are running, they have, we're going to restore God to America. Imagine what would be said throughout the media. Imagine the firestorm of saying they are not politically correct. Uh, The candidates stand up, our coinage, our currency says, in God we trust. It's about time we trust in God. In fact, we're going to call both houses to a time of repentance and fasting and prayer. And we're going to start governing by the moral law of God. Imagine, we'd be really happy about that, of course, but imagine the firestorm if suddenly a political nation became once again a spiritual nation. For all 40 years of Saul's reign, the spirituality waned within the nation. His governance, his leadership centered around self rather than the Savior. When David came to be king, he decided, he determined, it's going to change. God's going to be at the center of this nation. And he was going to make Jerusalem a brand new, different type of city. It was going to be a center for God. It had not been, but now it would be. And he determined to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the center of the life of the nation. I want you to see his desire for the presence of God. The desire for God's presence. In verse 2 of 2 Samuel, what happens is he sets out and he says, I'm going to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, the name of the Lord Almighty, who's enthroned between the cherubim. That's at the top of the Ark. I want God's presence. That was his desire. Because this Ark symbolized God's presence all through the wilderness. Symbolized God speaking to them at Mount Sinai. Symbolized God's provision during those 40 years. It symbolized the power of God. If you see, David, you see the heart that is desirous of God's presence. In 1 Chronicles chapter 13, David makes this comment. Look at the bottom part of verse 3. Let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. They had lost their sense of the presence of God. They had lost their way as a nation. Instead of being a theocracy, a nation under God, they were far from what God originally planned and intended. David, 
during times of testing and trial, again and again, found refuge and strength in the presence of God. God guided him as Saul tried to capture him, take his life. God protected him during all of the difficult times that he went through. He found refuge in the presence of Almighty God. David had this deep longing for the presence of God in his life. He felt like Moses did. When God spoke to Moses in the book of Exodus, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God's speaking to Moses. And then Moses says to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Uh, Moses didn't want to take one step outside the presence of God. He wanted to be with God. He wanted God close to him. He knew that God was the protection of the nation, that God was the strength of his life. David would say, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Would to God... That there would be a deep desire within the life of every single believer here for the presence of God. A longing to know God. A hunger to walk with God. It's beautiful when we come into a worship service and you feel the presence of God sweep over a congregation. And you sense that you're standing in his presence. You might be driving in your car and you're hearing a sermon, listening to a worship music, or just praying in your spirit and suddenly you're aware of God. I could think of times here at these altars or times in my office where suddenly just become aware that God is speaking and he's moving. And David longed for the presence of God. There was this deep hunger and thirst for God. There was that desire for him. David not only desired the presence of God, but he had a heart that was sensitive to God's presence. Notice what the text says again in First Chronicles 2 to 3. It says, if it seems good to you and if it is the will of the Lord our God. See, God put a dream in David's heart years, years prior to this event that he would bring the Ark of the Covenant back into the center of the life of Israel as a nation. In fact, Psalm 132 alludes to that. When in Psalm 132, David says, they're referring to David's oath, he swore an oath to the Lord and made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids, till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. That's referring to the ark. David dreamt about it. He prayed about it. It was something deep in his heart. Oh, that that would be the way we would live our Christian life. The way we would walk as believers. That we would long to be in the house of God so that we could be in his presence. That we would yearn to open up the sacred book and hear him speak to us. That we would find times of great delight 
on our knees pursuing him and seeking him, that our pleasures would not be so much in the world, but our greatest pleasures would be to be in his presence. There was a desire that David had for the presence of God. And that desire was a deep desire. There was a deep sensitivity. But David was not aware fully of the danger of God's presence. The danger. And that's what happens in this story. In Hebrews The author warns us, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. God can be a refining fire to transform the dross and burn up the dross in our life and transform our lives. Or it can be a fire of judgment. God's presence is a savor of life to one and a savor of death to another. Depending upon our attitudes, our response. Picture with me the procession. They begin this long procession. There's 30,000 military personnel. Plus People from all over the nation are leading the procession. It's about nine miles, and they're going up towards Jerusalem. And as they travel up towards Jerusalem, suddenly, way up in front, the line stops. A dead stop. What happened? The singing stops. The shouting, the trumpets, the chauffeur. It's no noise at all. A dead silence. And down the line, backward and forward, a whisper. Uzziah, he's dead. He fell dead. What happened? The ark began to shake. They walked across the threshing floor and the oxen lost their footing And he stretched out his hand to keep it from falling. And God smote him dead. God? God? There are mysteries in the Bible. Unexplainable things that happen. But I think the meaning can be found if you look at Yusa and Ahio. They're brothers. Ahio... And Yuzah grew up in the house of Abinadab. For decades, they had seen the Ark of the Covenant. It was part of the familiar furniture in their home. But as they witnessed the Ark of the Covenant, they became accustomed to it, used to it. They walked by it, they saw it. It it was something that they were so familiar with. What sometimes happens is we become accustomed to holy things. We hear the songs of Zion. We pray the prayers. 
We have more than one copy of the Bible on the shelf. And we become so accustomed and familiar with a holy God that we no longer see him as holy. Isaiah reaches out to steady the ark like he might reach out to steady any piece of furniture. Someone keeping a a sack of corn from falling. It's so easy to lose our sense of awe of God that we simply fail to see who he is and how great he is. Here's Yusuf. I'm sure his intentions were just to help. But he violates scripture because the ark was never to be touched, never to be handled. See, God protects himself. When he was in the Philistine territory, he protected himself. The Philistines couldn't deal with this powerful, almighty God. Dagon, flat on his face, broken. Plagues coming from one city to another to another. Every place they moved the ark, God's judgment fell upon them. No, no, no. We can't control God. We have to recognize that he's greater than anything that we've ever encountered. This God is a holy God. We must reverence his person. We must reverence his person. God's person is to be reverenced. It says in verses 6 and 7, they came to the threshing floor of Nacon. Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the ox stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down. He died there beside the ark of God. The whole parade celebration stopped. Silence. David's angry. David's fearful. David puts a halt. And they just simply go to the nearest house and ask him if they would keep that ark. Now, three months later, David's going to go back and bring the ark, but this time he's going to be successful. But something happens in those three months. You should see that God's precepts are to be respected. In First Chronicles 15, 12 to 13, that's what David's going to discover. That's what David's going to realize. He said to them, you are the leaders of the Levite families. You must purify yourself and all your fellow Levites so that they can bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time, the anger of the Lord our God burst out against us. We failed to ask God how to move it properly. See, David, he knew it was God's will. He consulted with the officers. 
But what he had failed to do, and which he had done so many times in the past, he failed at this moment to simply get before God and say, God, how do we do this? As Dr. Ed Jones continues to take us on a journey through the story of David, we continue to learn more about what a life lived for God can look like. David wasn't perfect by any means, but God used him in powerful ways, and he can use you too. We do hope that you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find an archive of previous messages available to listen to or download or even share with someone you feel will be impacted by the message. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well by searching for Faith AG2. We know how important social media is in people's lives today and by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We'd also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly time of fellowship, Bible teaching, and worship of our Savior. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Give us a call for directions and to find out more about our congregation at 845-462-5955. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God, sharing with us new chapters in David's story. Your word restores it.